This is the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth, and we are joined remotely today by our two reporters. Hello, it's Jonathan Boomtown Gillum with sports. It's Coda Babcock with the COVID-19 outbreak update. And this is sadly our last show. Um, we are, uh, I mean, it's, it's the last show of the semester. It's the last show of the school year. Um, and it is the last show of uh, Ren's and my time here. So it's a little bittersweet, but we will be passing it on to Coda, and that's very exciting. Um, I'm graduating, which is terrifying. And I just want to make sure the world knows just how scared I am of that. But anyway, on a much less scary note, let's talk about sports with Boomtown. Hello, everyone. It's Boomtown here with some sporting news. Uh, so last week I talked about some maybe some official dates of at least buzz of when sports might return. There's nothing really too official as of this now. Just a couple things. Uh, the NFL and the NBA are considering if they want to bring back practices. The NBA, uh, CBS Sports reported that the NBA is tentatively resuming practices tomorrow, but under strict guidelines. So um, check, keep a lookout for that. More information could be found at NBA.com. Um, also, the NFL released the schedule for the 2020 season today. Um, there will be more buzz on the NFL website if that is of interest for anyone. Um, also, the NFL, the NHL is considering having uh, a virtual draft next month. Denver Post reports that NHL Deputy Commissioner Billy Dale, or Bill Daly issued a memo to the teams last week outlining what could be a June 5th virtual draft based on points percentage um, for those not in a position to be included. CBS Sports reports that, um, or excuse me, the Denver Post reports that the Avalanche could have the 29th spot if that is the case. Um, also, uh, just a little maybe pop culture and sports news. There is a lot of drama regarding the Michael Jordan documentary. Um, a lot of buzz going on with that. Uh, that can be found on social media. Michael Jordan has been highly praising Pippen in the documentary, but Scottie Pippen, his former teammate, has been really silent with some criticism. And now uh, other teammate, Dennis Rodman, is defending Scottie Pippen. Um, so it's been a drama-filled documentary on screen and off screen, that's for sure. Uh, lastly, local sports news. Uh, CSU added another 10 players this last Wednesday during the uh, <clears throat> signing period. Um, so this is uh, kind of exciting. Steve Adazio continues to address some open spots. Um, we'll continue to keep a lookout because it looks like he's got um, a couple spots more open for transfers. And we'll see what he is going to be recruiting for this upcoming season. So that is exciting. Also, uh, missing that deep dive into sports. Well, KCSUFM.com has articles, pre-recorded shows, and more. And if any of that is of interest, and that can be found on our website, KCSUFM.com. Uh, that is all I have for sporting news. I just want to say thank you for listening. It's been an awesome semester. I want to say thank you to my wonderful colleagues and all the staff that goes behind this show. Um, a special congrats to Max on graduating. Ren moving on to bigger and better places. Coda the new news director and it's just been an awesome time i enjoyed the semester uh, back to you max and ren thanks boom sound it's been a pleasure having you be a part of the show thank you it really has um we're gonna move on to covid with coda babcock your future news director 
All right, I'm Coda Babcock, and this is the COVID-19 outbreak update for Thursday, May 7th, 2020. A new resource has been launched to aid in supp supplying local Northern Colorado businesses with personal protective equipment, also referred to as PPE. NoCoSafetySupply.com was created in collaboration with local marketing expert Nick Armstrong, the Fort Collins Chamber of Commerce, and the City of Fort Collins. It will be also it will also be linked to the existing resource at NoCoRecovers.com. The site allows users to find a PPE supplier, add a request for specific equipment, or add themselves as a PPE supplier. The site is hyper-local and encourages the community to support each other in staying safe and healthy as the state begins to open back up. Northern Colorado businesses in need of resources can visit nococefetysupply.com or nococovercovers.com for more resources. For more information about Fort Collins' response to the pandemic, you can visit fcgov.com coronavirus. For business-specific concerns related to the pandemic, you can also visit forcollins.com. Larimer County and the state of Colorado have moved into the safer at home phase. During this phase, many businesses and other organizations are able to begin reopening with restrictions. The Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment has issued new guidance for child care providers, asking that care for children of essential workers is prioritized and that group sizes stay under 10. Staff are also asked to only have contact with the same group of children whenever possible and to require hand washing. In addition to this, staff members are asked to stagger mealtimes, only use easily sanitized toys, and limit parental contact with staff by curbside pickup and drop-off at the end of care hours. This applies to both child care centers and partially to in-home child care providers. During the safer at home phase, gyms are not permitted to reopen yet, but outdoor spaces are allowed to be used for exercise so long as the person engaging in exercise remains in their own community. Playgrounds are still expected to remain closed and team sports are not yet permitted. Places of worship are still asked to continue online or drive up services instead of in-person services. Retail businesses, real estate have all been permitted to reopen with restrictions and precautions. Larimer County currently has 440 positive cases of COVID-19 and 19 COVID-19 related deaths. There are four outbreaks in the county and all of them involve long-term care facilities intended for aging adults. 58% of all cases are women, while 42% are men. Fort Collins contains the most cases at 51%, followed by Loveland at 34%. These numbers are helpful, but may be an inaccurate representation of the virus's breach due to a lack of testing availability nationwide. The state of Colorado has 17,830 cases and 2,986 people hospitalized across 57 counties as a result of COVID-19. Colorado's COVID-19 death toll has reached 921 as of May 6th at 4.08 p.m., but new cases are currently decreasing. According to the Centers for Disease Control, the United States has 1,193,813 total cases as of May 6, 2020, around 6 p.m. The U.S. has a death toll of nearly 71,000, and the state of New York continues to be hit the hardest, followed by New Jersey and Massachusetts. The United States, as well as over a dozen other nations, do not have accurate death toll reports due to a lack of testing access during the pandemic. Meatpacking facilities have faced their own outbreaks as well, creating the potential for meat shortages in several states. Some states are also reporting that unemployment rates are over 25%. Information for today's update was gathered from the City of Fort Collins, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, the Centers for Disease Control, and the New York Times. That's all for today's COVID-19 outbreak update. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on KCSU Fort Collins 90.5 FM. Thank you so much, Coda. And I think it's really important that you brought up the lack of uh, testing availability because it's really true. Those numbers seem like they haven't changed much in the last few weeks, but that's really just because of how 
hard it is to get tests and how hard yeah, it is to get tested. Definitely. Actually, my guest, the interview guest for uh, Tuesday's show, she actually was a presumptive positive case. She was never able to get tested, but she had every symptom. So this is actually fairly common that like, especially young people are having difficulties getting tested. Yeah, it's um, pretty crazy to think about and uh, how that supply chain works. And not to not to plug another show at all, but I thought John Oliver did a really great job in diving into that one. Uh, if you guys are a fan of his, but we are gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna be talking about um, the best parts of the show over this last year, or all of our favorite parts. We've got some clips. We're going to be discussing them. Um, so, yeah, you're listening to the last Rocky Mountain Review of the year here on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth. And we just heard from Coda Babcock with the COVID-19 update and Boomtown for sports update. Yeah, yeah. We're going to jump right into our clip show of some of our favorite moments from this year from this show. And there have been a lot of them. Um, and I think I'm going to start with one from the very beginning of when we were doing the show. And I didn't realize this. This happened right after my birthday uh, when, and it's it's not a good thing because it's when the blackface incident happened on campus. And uh, wow, that must have been a really, I mean, that was a really intense week. And uh, we did a whole week of coverage on it, but I think our coverage was best summed up in this clip with actually a very close personal friend of mine, Brianna Hill from Project Voice. So this is Brie from Project Voice. Um, do you think that that uh, recent incident we had here ties into institutional racism? Absolutely. I feel like students of color get more of a punishment than white students. That's on my own personal experience like, coming out of college, like, I've noticed that, like, I get more kind of of the bad raps than, like, other white students who, like, do protesting on campus. Like, that's my experience. I feel like institutional racism definitely plays into that because, like, clearly CSU isn't doing as much as it should be doing for its students of color, for its black students. And that's probably because these students were white in the picture. Right. Would you mind giving us an example of uh, a time you felt like you experienced that in your own experience? Yeah. So um, while I was at CU Boulder, I was um, I was an activist on campus, and so I did a lot of things on campus, like protesting or demonstrations and stuff like that. And there was this one event where um, I got my student group and a couple of other student groups to chalk the sidewalks in protest of um, Donald Trump's presidency. Um, and we chalked, like, all of campus, like, from the football stadium to like our planetarium, like it's a large campus and like we chalked everything. Um, and then the morning, like come back, like everything has been washed away. Like all of our stuff was washed away. Like they didn't leave a single trace of all of our chalk drawings. Um, and then two weeks from then, the uh, white fraternities and sororities started talking for their like recruitment process. And they did it like, there, there are rules that you have to do for chalking with. Like you can't chalk like, two feet inside of a building you can't chop diagonally like stuff right. like that but their stuff like stayed for months that's fascinating because the exact same right. thing happened here actually and that that kind of made some news is that we 
had students chalking in the common areas, and uh, that chalking got erased, while other chalking was not erased, and even though it's against our school's policy to erase student chalking. Mm-hmm. Especially on our uh, Lori Student Center Plaza, which has been famously known as a free speech zone. Oh, yeah. The few Boulder has the, the fountains where it's like a free speech zone, but like, what exactly is free speech for who? What do you think? Gosh, that last uh, that last part of that that last thing uh, Bree said. What exactly is free speech for who? That gets me. Hmm. It's powerful. Um, we're gonna jump into our next one here, um, and we're we're gonna pick a fun one. We're gonna talk about uh, when we got our new head coach for Rams football. We're not done with news yet because I'm going to go right into campus news. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Indeed, Max. All righty. So the 23rd head coach has been named at Colorado State University as Steve Adazio. Adazio is a two-time BCS national champion with nine years of head coaching experience at two universities. Today, there was a press conference held inside Canvas Stadium's Hall of Fame at 3 p.m. to formally introduce Adazio. Over his nine-year coaching career, Adazio has has tallied 57 wins. At Boston College, he made history by taking his team to six bowl games in the seven years he coached, as well as being the first bowl-winning head coach at Temple in over 30 years. Adazio had this to say about his new position. I would like to thank President Joyce McConnell and Director of Athletics Joe Parker for the opportunity to lead this football program. Colorado State University is a world-class institution, and Fort Collins is an incredible city to live in and be able to recruit to. Our program will be one built on toughness and passion, and we will work tirelessly to develop men of character to return championship-level football back to Colorado State. I have to say, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, we talked a little bit about it with Dixon uh, earlier this week on Tuesday about our theories about who was coming to Colorado State University and what we hoped they would bring. Was he one of the theories? Um, I don't remember if he was one of the we theories. We did talk but... about Boston College, I think. Yeah. So hopefully he was one of uh, the theorized coaches, but he does sound like he's got a pretty good track record. Of... A great track record. Yeah, a pretty yeah. good yeah, a great track record. Um, Isn't he uh, the the guys being dudes guy? He is indeed the guys being dudes fine guy. So I I really hope he implements this is what it's that. all about, man. Guys, guys being, being dudes. dudes. I really hope he, <laughs> we implement that into some of our um, halftime shenanigans that happen on the Jumbotron. I mean, that's actually our coach. That's so great. I think that's pretty fun. <laughs> I'm not even like a big Vine person, but I know that one. Yeah. I'm also very hopeful. Um, being in the marching band, I really hope we go to a bowl game at some point while I'm here at CSU. So I hope he's able to bring us to one of them. So uh, I, I love that. Uh, clip. Uh, Ren, Ren's having some technical difficulties right now, so uh, she'll jump in when she can. But uh, Boomtown, that's a great clip to have you on the line for because uh, it's our new head coach. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was an exciting thing, and, and of course, you hearing all those famous uh, Adazio clips, you got to get the the catchphrase now. And now I can just imagine that at Canvas Stadium this season. If, if there are fans allowed, of course, tentatively. But if they are, I can just hear people yell, the dude. Yeah, man. the guys. Oh, be- <laughs> this is what it's all about. <laughs> Lots of dudes. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I know we brought that up to him that uh, he's the what's better than this guys being dudes because um, we definitely thought it was a funny fact about him being our new head coach I love that yeah it's it's just as exciting I, 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 just from playing sports there's always like a coach tends to have like some kind of catchphrase or his go-to phrase so it's always fun to just have that to laugh about with everyone and it's it's great that's a pretty good one. All right, we're going to our next clip is going to be from probably the most controversial interview we did this year and that is where I sat down with Charlie Kirk, uh, president of Turning Point USA, and uh, I'm going to say this before the clip and I'm going to say this after the clip. We do not endorse uh anything that is not said by us directly on this show. Uh this was a very shocking moment in the interview with Charlie Kirk, and uh, you'll see why. Here it is. So what do you think it is about college campuses that maybe uh, perpetuate some of this uh, some of this emotion? Well, the professors in the administration not only tolerate it, they encourage it, and they incentivize it amongst the, the students. Radicalism is given a sense of currency, and uh, your, your, very, your foolish president, uh, college president, did exactly that. I mean, she's, uh, she's. I, I'm going to be very careful with the words I use, but it was very disappointing that a college president would loop me into a statement that would compare our organization and me to white supremacists and the most nasty, horrible things in the world, things that I have gone out of my way to condemn, things that I have gone above and beyond to repudiate and to expel from my own ranks, that she loops me into that same thing. So... When you have leaders like that, when you have leaders as clueless and as foolish as your president and as radical as your president, there's no, uh, there's no mystery why universities are heading the way that they are. And so uh, that's a great example of how a university president operates on misinformation, intentionally distorts the truth, and she gives cover to the radicals who then repeat her false party line. So I was I was actually going to wait to talk about this, but since you are bringing it up now, I am curious why do you think she um, put out that email, putting you in the same context as these images? And for those who don't, she must, for those she who must don't believe know, it. It was yeah, I mean, the, uh, black say what it is. swastika sure. that happened on campus uh, about a month ago. I mean, she must believe it, and it's a disgusting thing for her to say and to write. Uh, in fact, some would say it even might put her in legal jeopardy, and we're entertaining some options on that front to kind of see what our options are because it is pure libel to loop me in and to lump our organization in with no difference or delineation with things that I and our organization have gone out of our way to denounce. We have a black spokesman, a gay black spokesman by the name of Rob Smith. Prior to that, our communications director is Candace Owens. We host a Latino and Black Leadership Summit every single year. We are nowhere near anywhere the ideology that she might think we espouse, but that just shows how far the academy has fallen when you have university presidents that misrepresent reality. In fact, I could be an ally and I could be a partner in the fight against these sort of extremist ideas because that's, I truly believe they are evil. I believe it is evil to hold any sort of belief that one race is better than the other. However, this university president thinks just because I'm a conservative and just because I spoke before once before 
university, and there were protesters that I repudiated and I renounced, she now has to indict our entire group. So, yeah, I'm going to say it again. I do not endorse anything that anybody who's not one of the staff of the Rocky Mountain Review says on our show, and that goes for Charlie Kirk, absolutely. Um, that being said, wow, Charlie Kirk threatened basically legal action against George McConnell on our show. That was a pretty crazy moment. Talk about drama on air. Yeah, no, that was uh, probably the most dramatic thing that's ever happened on this show. <laughs> <laughs> this is a replay, and I could feel the tension in the air. It was uh, a... <clears throat> feel like tickles in the back of my throat yeah. <laughs> uh, something i i thought was it was, was a it was a tense interview that max did and it was, it was also just a tense situation that charlie cook Kirk put our campus in there was some really absolutely true though um it was a a very divisive moment on our campus and i we were lucky enough to talk to people from both sides of the political spectrum on that one and do a pretty thorough show uh we're going to move on to something a little more fun though uh this is the improv troupe the comedy brewers (laughs) yes and when you're in an improv show it's completely different because they know you don't know what's going to happen and they're there with you and it's far more immediate and honestly it doesn't translate well if you videotape improv or something and watch it later it it doesn't it's not near as funny as when you're sitting in the audience yeah. and watching oh that's it. a great segue because we have a clip ah. <laughs> <laughs> well this is going to be a knee slapper isn't it oh yeah oh yeah so this is a clip uh, i pulled from one of your youtube videos oh, sweet. Um, so ages ago then yeah, <laughs> yeah. 2013 cool yeah. <laughs> uh it seems like you guys are uh playing a game uh when i when i used to do improv uh in high school we called it change where yeah. you're sure oh. doing a scene and you'll uh hear a buzzer and when you hear the buzzer you have to change what you were saying sure yeah. sure um, so that's the clip we're gonna play right now, and this is uh, this is you guys. So it seems like your audience is just loving it. <laughs> yeah, that was actually an audience participation game where we had a couple from the audience up on stage. Yeah, oh, really? Yep. They were the one doing the buzzing. Yeah. Really? So is that, is audience participation a pretty regular thing for you guys? Uh, I would say it's in about, uh, well, audience participation, yes, because they give us the suggestions for every single game. But uh, where we physically pull somebody up on stage, maybe two to three per show. Those guys were so much fun. <laughs> they, um, they had me laughing. I, I love improv because it's just so unexpected what's going to come out. Like, it's, it's just right? so it's just silly comedy. <laughs> I, I keep mentioning things I've been watching recently uh, on today's show, but uh, there's a great long-form improv show on Netflix uh, called Middle Edition Schwartz with uh, two pretty well-known comedians. Uh, just doing 50 minute long improv skits. It's wild. <laughs> it's so good. Nice. Um, 
think the next clip we're going to jump into here is um, a clip from probably our saddest show, uh, sadder than even this one, which is our last show. Uh, this is a clip from when we talked to the creators of the video game, That Dragon Cancer. Hi, I'm Ryan Green. And I'm Mike Perotto. You two created the game That Dragon Cancer. For those who have not heard of the game, would you mind describing it really quickly? Uh, my wife, Amy, and I have four children. Our third son, Joel, uh, was diagnosed with cancer when he was one year old. Um, and uh, that kind of swept us into the world of cancer. And, and uh, when he was two years old, um, the cancer came back. And they told us that he would die, um, but he didn't die, and he lived for um, close to four more years. Um, and in that time, uh, Amy and I, and Mike, and uh, Josh, my business partner, and and a number of other people um, helped us create this video game. Uh, Josh and I are video game developers, and so we created a video game to essentially document. Joel's life and his battle with cancer and um, everything kind of we went through as a family in in fighting that between everybody. Um, Amy and I were co-writers and and all of us were co-designers and and we were all very much involved in every part of uh, every aspect of the game. Um, <clears throat> and so yeah, it's it's sometimes easy to kind of narrow it down to just one person, you know. Um, but it was very much a a team and family effort. Um, and even, you know, our children uh, were part of the experience where um, they did voiceover parts of themselves. Um, and even Elijah, our youngest son, um, we had him um, speak as Joel uh, in the game. So it was it was very much um, very personal at every level. And there was even some uh, community involvement with our with our Kickstarter and yeah. uh, putting poems and quotes and things like that from community members in the game as well. Joel's story creates kind of like that cultural awake in in the places around him, um, even long after he's gone, is that it just gives permission for people to talk about the hard things in their lives that have made them who they are. I, I actually couldn't agree more. Uh, before, while Red and I were planning this interview, we were talking. Uh, we were talking about cancer, and we had a conversation we've never had before, and I think you actually gave us an opportunity to do that just in in our own way and I uh, that's completely unrelated to anything we had planned to say but uh, I I think that's amazing well and it's a gift to us you know because I think a lot of people get afraid to ask people about loss because they don't want to put be in an uncomfortable situation you know you might not ask somebody uh, about somebody they, they lost or a hard thing they went through because you're afraid that they might get emotional and you won't know what to do but in fact, um, when I'm asked about it and I get emotional, it's almost a gift, you know? It's because like, oh, you're acknowledging my pain, you care about that, and I get to tell you about somebody I loved. What do you hope that people take away when they're playing the game? I originally hoped that they would walk away with answers. You know, um, uh, because our, our faith is such a central part of our life, we saw art as, as a way to express the truth of our faith, right? But in the midst of disappointment, when the things that you believe don't quite work out the way that you expected them to, um, that that disappointment is is kind of scary, and it and it it's um, it uh, it it makes you feel exposed and vulnerable, you know. But we found that that sharing um, 
the you know sharing our vulnerability and allowing people to see that we don't have all the answers we have a lot of questions that we that we still wrestle with but that we that we choose to um to to look to a greater source and and to and and to um, be comfortable in that tension um, and be comfortable not having the answers so I, I would hope that people would walk away from playing the game. Um, not, it's not something with a tidy bow on it. You know, there's not a happy ending. It's a, it's a devastating ending. It's not the ending we wanted, uh, but it was the ending that we were given. Um, and so I think in the midst of that, um, I hope people feel that they're not alone, that they're in the midst of hundreds and thousands of people that go through this sort of loss every year, um, and and that they feel seen. And um, that's the beautiful thing about video games is that you can invite somebody into a world that you've created and then you can acknowledge what they care about. You know, you can like you can watch your player and and care for them in a certain way. Um, And I think that's a beautiful part of the medium. So that is a really uh, heavy, beautiful interview. Yeah, I definitely really like doing that interview. I think, like you said in the interview itself, we talked on a level that we hadn't previously before, which is always a great opportunity to be able to get to know someone a little deeper. That's a, one of the best parts about this show is uh, it's, I think it's helped us both grow as people and learn about stuff we would never have learned about otherwise and get to share that experience with uh, people listening, which is so amazing. Um, Going to lighten the mood a little, though. Um, let's see here. Uh, this is a good one of Ren. Here's a good one. Here's my favorite time Ren did National Days. This is a great one. Ren, what day is it today? Today is November 14th. However, we're going to kick it back a little bit because yesterday was a pretty big holiday that we feel it's important we talk about. November 13th is World Kindness Day, and just like the name suggests, this holiday encourages acts of kindness throughout the world. Whether the acts are big or small, all kindness is welcome and encouraged on this holiday. The day is also known as Mr. Rogers Sweater Day, and many people and organizations celebrate World Kindness Day by wearing their favorite sweater or cardigan in honor of Mr. Rogers. I'll be your neighbor. If sweaters aren't really your thing, don't worry, because today you can cozy up with National Family PJ Day. This day encourages you to spend a little quality time with your family in matching pajama sets. You can celebrate this day by putting on your pajamas, gathering with your family, direct or indirect, and taking some long overdue family pictures. November 14th, like many other national holidays, is food-themed. Today is National Pickle Day, and this day celebrates all kinds of pickles, whether they be dill, gherkin, conchicorn, brined, kosher dill, Polish, Hungarian, lime, bread and butter, Swedish and Danish, or even a Kool-Aid pickle. What is that? You, you just soak it in Kool-Aid and brine. It's really gross. Oh. <laughs> well, this day celebrates them all. The, world, the word pickle itself comes from the Dutch word pickle, which translates means brine, which translated means brine. In America, when we hear the word pickle, we often think of pickled cucumbers. However, nearly any fruit or vegetable can be pickled. Ever had Japanese pickles? Those are the best, like the bright yellow ones or the pink ones, and they crunch, and they're sweet. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So speaking of sweet, pickles can be sweet, uh, spicy, or tart. It all depends on the brine and the amount of water, vinegar, spices, and sugar you add to it. And some interesting pickle facts are that each year in the United States, roughly 5,200,000 pounds of pickles are consumed. 
It's mostly by my roommate. Really <laughs> likes pickles. Uh, the popularity of the pickle dates back thousands of years to 2030 BC. At that time, traders imported cucumbers from India to the Tigris Valley. Here, the people first preserved and ate the, cu the cucumbers as pickles. Cleopatra attributed, attributed her good looks to her diet of pickles. And even Julius Caesar craved the benefits of pickles. He believed pickles lent physical and spiritual strength and gave them to his troops. Say pickles one more time. Uh, I, that's it. That's all I have for National Pickle oh. Day, so I won't. Oh, you did it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> See, we do learn things on this show. <laughs> yeah, we do. I definitely think National Days is going to be one of my things I'm going to miss from doing this show. It was always so much fun and honestly really educational. And yeah. you do things that I probably wouldn't have done that day. Well, I learned a lot about pickles just now. Also, I love your list of all the different kinds of pickles. That could be a ringtone, honestly. <laughs> it's like just so rapid fire. Kosher, dill, gherkin. Yeah, no, you're just on it. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, I think we're just going to keep this pattern going of alternating serious and fun ones. We got two more clips. Um, this clip is from our uh, possibly our most high profile interview we ever did with NPR national security correspondent Greg Meyer, who if you've read pretty much anything on NPR about what's going on uh, in the world <laughs> with COVID or in just at all right now you've been reading his his work so this is greg meyer um i'm gonna move into our last uh question here and then we'll see if we can take some listener questions um in your opinion what have the ramifications of the 2001 authorization for use of military force resolution or the AUMF, which gave the president authority to, quote, use all necessary and appropriate force against those nations, organizations, or persons he determines planned, authorized, committed, or aided the terrorist attacks that occurred on September 11, 2001, or harbored such organizations or persons in order to prevent any future acts of inter international terrorism. What do you think the ramifications of that 19 years later have been? Well, it was appropriate at the time uh, in 2001, right after the 9-11 attacks. And then there was a second similar AUMF, as you, as you noted, in 2002, which um, was used to authorize the invasion of Iraq. Um, but now those are, as you note, um, 19 and 18 years old. And they're being used for things that have nothing to do with uh, going after the al-Qaeda in Afghanistan or going after um, the Iraqi leadership, which has long since uh, fallen. And Congress has tried to claw back some of that authority. It, it, Congress did not use its authority to declare war um, for, for many wars, not just the, the, the most recent ones. Um, just recently, um, within the past month, the Democrats, um, in the House at least, um, said that the U.S. would passed a, a, a resolution that the, the president would have to get authorization if he were to wage military action against Iran. So you, you are seeing that, at least from the Democrats, trying to claw back some authority and not leave this blank 20-year-old check there. Right. Yeah. My question, too, about that is, um, what are your thoughts about uh, these resolutions not having a time constraint? Because this was the same with the Tonkin Gulf uh, resolution, that there was no time constraint on when this would stop 
being in place. Yeah, I mean, the Constitution is very clear. Congress is supposed to declare war. And in the 1970s, they passed a law that essentially puts like a 60-day clock that starts to tick if, if the president um, sends forces into, into a military uh, conflict or into a war. Basically, he's got 60 days to get approval from Congress. But Congress has not declared, formally declared war uh, since World War II. So all of these, these wars we've seen have not been uh, declared. And it, it's really gotten to a position where the, the president, not, and I'm not t- talking about this president, I'm talking about several previous presidents as well, um, have, have used that authority because it's very convenient. It doesn't constrict them. Um, and so they like it. But Congress, I think, has really not shouldered its responsibility. And I'm not talking about either party. I'm talking about all members of the Congress. Yeah, uh, Greg Myers, really fascinating guy. Um, that was a, that was a great episode. And all of these clips, uh, if you're interested in checking out the full episodes, and of course I'm, I'm going to say this is our last show, but all of everything we've ever done is stored on our website, kcsufm.com, under news, under Rocky Mountain Review. All the episodes of News to Care the Blues are there, all of our interviews. If you are curious about any of the stuff you've heard today, please go to our website and check it out. Um, and we are going to move into our last clip. It's a funny one. This was from a, uh, a online show we did fairly recently. Since it is National Name Yourself Day today, if you guys could name yourselves, what would you name yourself? Let's start with Max, who oh, already man. has a pretty cool name, Maximus. Oh, I thought you were about to talk about my uh, my fake name I use, which I, I use consistently. So uh, if I were to name myself, which I already have sometimes, I would go by Calvin Sterling. Suave Ooh, detective. That kind of sounds like a spy name. Yeah. Millionaire. Ooh. Slash news reporter. How about you, Jonathan? You know, I, I have already been given, I don't like to give myself my own name. I like if someone comes up with a nickname for me, uh, it kind of, I don't know what I would name myself, I guess. Just maybe a short, shortened version. Call me Jay instead of Jonathan, because then it's quicker. That's, that's pretty much all I got. All right, Chrissy. Um, I can't think of a name that I would want to name myself, but everybody from my hometown in New Hampshire calls me Pistol, as in Pistol That's Chrissy. Cool. That's pretty that cool. That is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I, I have it tattooed inside my lip. Nice. Nice. What? Yeah, That's so awesome. I'm labeled forever, so I can't shake that one. Well, uh, if uh, did we it start like our post-corona apocalypse no. gang, it'll be uh, Calvin Sterling pistol and wait ren what did you say yours was again oh i didn't say oh yeah wait, what's um, yours? i talked about <laughs> it's okay i talked about it briefly with you so it would be one of two things my parents almost named me ash b like a s h b e e and that's the name of my like cosplay company so that'd be a cool name or i'm kind of debating changing my name for news so maybe carrington carlisle i don't know we'll i like that that, Ooh, that, also that has like the... that yeah, that, that has a nice ring really to good. it. Yeah. Secret agent thing, yeah. Yeah. Wow, dream, dream team yeah. right here. Yeah, it is. There we go. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, uh, we're going to take a quick break, but this has been the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins with our sports reporter, Jay, and Ashby, and my name is Calvin Sterling, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review.
This is the Rocky Mountain Review, our last show ever. Not really ever, but my last show ever. Uh, my name is Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ron Wadsworth, and it is also my last show on the Rocky Mountain Review. But before we end the show, we do have to give a couple of thank yous. First and foremost, to our wonderful reporter, Coda Babcock. Who is going to be the news director next year. And Coda had to sadly leave, but uh, we're so excited to see what he's going to do. Yeah. We also wanted to thank uh, Jonathan Boomtown for being our amazing sports reporter. And is Jonathan still in the chat? Because yeah, we want to oh, promote. Yeah, we, we want to promote what position he has for the upcoming year as well. Yeah, you want to talk about uh, that? Yeah, I, I was uh, named the uh, assistant sports director. So myself and Dixon, who is the new sports director, will be working frantically this fall to. Keep the sports department awesome that it already is. Uh, keep the Nick Baker legacy alive. Um, he's did so much, and I learned so much from. Him. I definitely, definitely have a special place in my heart for the the guy. I wish him the best as he graduates. And also, we don't know if we're going to be have sports or not. But I'll tell you one thing: we will bring deep dives if there is no sports this fall, uh, and bring exclusive content. And it's going to be amazing, no matter what happens. And I'm so excited to work with all my colleagues and the colleagues I've worked with this semester. Thank you both very much. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, both you and Dixon were uh, part of this show and did amazing. I'm so excited to listen to what you guys do next year. Yeah, definitely. And congratulations on your new position. Yeah, it's it's so exciting. It's so exciting. And uh, we'll see what the future holds, huh? Yeah, we will. All right. And we, uh, we have to absolutely thank all the amazing people at the station. Um, and that includes, I normally do this fast, but I'm going to take it slow this time so you hear all their names. Julia Baddeley, Hannah Copeland, Isaiah Reyes, Peter Walk, Monty Daniels, Josh Kellogg, Hunter Sinclair, Asher Korn, Desiree Cruz, Taylor Sandal, Sam Bonifay, Yasmin Conscious. Let's throw Nick Baker in there and Dixon Lawson, too, as well as Jonathan Boomtown Gillum again. Uh, and the rest of the, the staff at KCSU, uh, Tim... Richie, there's a lot of people. Uh, thank you all so much. We really couldn't do this without you. And speaking of the awesome people at KCSU and the future, after this show, uh, Hannah Copeland, our general manager, has a group of trainee news reporters who will be doing a special newscast, airing as soon as this is done. Alrighty, and I wanted to thank you, Max, for one last time. It has been such a pleasure getting to work with you, and I could not have asked for a better co-director. Well, and I'd like to thank you, Ren. Uh, you know, this show was uh, a lot of heart and a lot of effort to make, and uh, really, it would never have happened if the two of us weren't working very, very hard, and I'm very proud of us for what we've achieved. And that is our show. Yeah, we don't really know how to end it because usually we say we'll see you next time, but we won't see you ah. next time. Yeah, that's not the case. Um, I don't know. Should we say something like goofy? Something funny? Um, something serious? Wash your hands? No, I'll say something. <laughs> um, and with that, eat your pickles. Stay tuned <laughs> for the Rocky Mountain Review next year with Code of Babcock. Yeah, and uh, right after this, catch Hannah Copeland's class.
You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU FM, Fort Collins. My name is Maximus Hunter, signing off for the last time. And I'm Ren Wadsworth, signing off for the last time. <laughs>